Welcome to Rome Alliance. At our church, we believe the gospel is good news for every aspect of our lives. Today's message will bring hope to your heartache, healing to your brokenness, and an opportunity to experience Christ's love and redeeming power. As a body of believers, Rome Alliance Church exists to glorify God, follow Jesus, and invite others to share in the hope, healing, and love of the gospel. We started a series, and it's called You Asked For It. And what this series is, is we had people submit questions to us, and we're doing sermons based on questions that were asked. Last week, Steve Clark Sr. brought to us the question, why would God allow someone like Putin and Hitler to be born when Christian couples struggle with infertility? So that was the, that was the, the question from last week. And this week, we're going to be looking at another question that we have for us. And there was about 42 questions that were submitted uh, to us from people in the, here at RAC, and we're going to be taking a look over the next several weeks at some of these questions. And so we have our next question uh, up on the docket this morning that we're going to go through and respond to that we have. And so let's pray, because we have a God who speaks. He's always speaking to us. He's spoken to us through His Word. He has spoken to us through the person of Jesus Christ who became flesh and dwelt among us. And he wants to speak to us right now in these moments. And uh, we need to be praying and we need to be open to what it is and encouraging that we will respond in the way God is calling us to respond as he speaks into our life. And so let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given us to gather here together. We thank you, God, for what it is that you want to do. But right now in these moments, Lord, there's a lot of things we can be thinking about. There's probably going to be six notifications that come on our phone. There's going to be all these different things that take place, Lord, but help us to stay focused in what you want to say to us this morning, God. The words that you have for us that want to change the way we live. Lord, we just give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so at any point in someone's life, did anybody own a bracelet like this? Show some hands. Don't be afraid. All right, I've got some people in the room. WWJD, what would Jesus do? I remember going away to a youth conference when I was in seventh grade. I think that was maybe the, was the first time I maybe either was exposed to it or uh, came back wearing one. And I remember clearly being sitting in art class in seventh grade wearing a bracelet, and the teacher asked me what that stood for. I can't even tell you what my response was at that moment, but what I do remember was how in that moment I was like, should I tell her or should I not tell her? Really, what, what should I tell her? What should I, what should I say about it? The seventh grade kid, I just remember that the feeling I had inside of me of her asking that. Well, the idea of WWJD with the bracelets actually began in 1990 with this woman, Janie Tinkleberg. I wish I had that name. And she was a youth leader, real person. She was a youth leader in Michigan, and she was trying to find a, a way for her students to uh, tangibly share the gospel with other people and have it as a reminder. And so she came up uh, with this bracelet of WWJD. Little did she know that this bracelet went on to selling over at least 18 million bracelets that somebody else caught on to from this idea. But the point of this bracelet was that, she, that, was that her students were called to have gospel conversations in the high school that they went to. And that for them was to be a reminder to live the gospel, but also speak the gospel to other people. As I did some more research on this, I actually came across 
originally where people believe it came from. 1897, Charles Sheldon, he writes a book called In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? But where this came from, it came from the idea that as a church, they wanted to find a way to reach out to people. And so on Sunday evenings, they would have evangelistic services, and they said, we're going to do what Jesus did. Jesus told amazing stories. They were called what? Parables. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to tell parables. And you know what? More people came to faith in Christ through that ministry than they ever did on a Sunday morning. And they said it was because we were trying to do what Jesus did. And so he wrote this book telling of that, but also sharing how they shared the stories of Jesus in this 1897 book, In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? And that's the question we have for us. The question that was submitted was this, WWJD, is that a question we should be asking ourselves? We're not Jesus, we can't save people from their sins. Let that marinate there for a minute as you begin to think about what would be your response to a question like that. No need to throw anything out, but just think about that for a moment. Is that a question we should be asking ourselves? We're going to look at a passage from 1 John this morning. We're going to be in it briefly, but it's really going to set up the rest of where we're going. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 2. If you, want, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, it will be up on the screen as well. 1 John A lot of John's writing in 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. John is writing in the the face of false teachers, but he's also writing in the face of, if you claim to know God, then these are the practical outflowing or overflowing of our life. If you claim to know God, you must love your brother, or else you're a liar, he says. So it's a lot of this claiming thing, to know what you believe, why you believe it. And so John is writing in that style. In 1st John 2, verses 1 and 2, he's talking about um, Jesus and being uh, the, the, the sacrifice for our sins. But then he kind of transitions here and he kind of ties that into obeying God's commandments. And he says this, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims, I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him That is how we know we are living in him. So he's trying to set this idea up. If you claim to know God, this is how it's lived out. If you claim to obey God's word, you'll truly show how completely you'll love him. And then he transitions here in verse 6, which helps give us an answer to this question. Those who say they live their lives in God should live their lives or walk as Jesus did. That's one of the most powerful verses we can come across in the Scriptures. Those who say they live in God should live their lives or walk as Jesus did. And so what John is getting at here is for those who say they remain in Him or those who abide in God. It's almost the the John 15, I am the vine, right? You are the branches. Apart from me, you can produce no fruit if you remain in me which this remain in me isn't hey if you show up to bible study if you come on sunday morning and sit in a seat remaining in god is that you walk with him throughout your life 
that you are connected to him in relationship, that it's a constant thing that you are living out in your life. So for those who say, I have a relationship with God, I remain, I abide in him, the outflowing of that is you should walk in him or live your life as Jesus did. So if you remain in him, then you walk in him. This idea of walking in him is the idea of how I conduct my very life. He uses this idea of walk because that's a consistent thing that we do. It's also very consistent for most, I mean, I've seen some weird walks in here, but most people, right, we're, we're just one after another. It's a consistent pattern that I have in my life when I walk, right? But we walk into the store. We walk into work. We walk to different places. Yes, I understand some people don't have that ability, but it's something consistent. So he's trying to say here, this consistency of our life, that if you remain in him, if you say, that's me, that's me, I remain in him, I live in God, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ, John is saying that the ultimate proof of that is if you walk in him, or the ultimate proof of a believer is that a believer in Jesus lives like Jesus. This is what John is saying. And we'll kind of see a little bit more as we, we set it up. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, how do we walk like Jesus? How do we do it? Yes, we know. Let's throw out there. Yes, we know. We are not Jesus. Yes. All right? We are only man. Jesus was fully God and fully man. Uh, I might have a hard time walking on water. I might have a hard time turning water into wine. I would actually turn it more into a Diet Pepsi or like an Americano. But anyways, but that's not what he's getting at. There are things, though, we can be doing to live our lives or walk as Jesus did. We're going to look at three of them. To live our lives or to walk as Jesus did is to take on his character is to live out his commands and to set his priorities as our priorities for life. To live out his character, to take on his commands, and to have his priorities be our priorities for our life. As I was talking to a friend of mine about this question this week, someone who doesn't attend Rome Alliance Church, he said, I think a lot of people ask this question. Now, you might not ask it in terms of a bracelet, but you ask yourself the question, if you are a believer, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing? Or how am I being called to live? Or the things that happen in the Bible, can, can I actually do those type of things? So it's a question we ask in ourselves, maybe not directly in those words, but we begin to wonder, how is it that I'm supposed to live as a believer in Christ? Another way to think about it is, he said, he said, well, if you want to begin to do those things, read the Gospels, Look what Jesus did and begin to do those things. That's the call we have. Yes, we're not Jesus. We can't save anybody from their sins. But we're going to see with Jesus living in us through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live out his character, take on his commands, and have his priorities be our priorities in our life. So let's look at this a little bit. I'm going to give us just a, a snapshot because there's so much depth to this this morning in terms of these three things. Let's first look at Jesus' character. This is some of the character of Jesus that he has. He's a servant, right? That's one of the biggest things that Jesus did was with his character was he was a servant. 
He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He served by washing the disciples' feet. I love passages that, Je- that Jesus said that he, oh, he saw the crowd and he had compassion on them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus was deep with compassion. He was forgiving. Right? And Paul talks about that. Right? We, he loves people better than I ever will. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't aim for it. Any golfers in the room? Now, when you get up there, what's your, what are you aiming for? I know, just be honest. Some of you understand, I aim for the woods because it curves off to the left that much. That's not what I'm looking for. But essentially, what is it that you're look, aiming for? The pin, right? The, the hole. Can we agree on that? Even though we might not get a hole in one on these things, is this not still our aiming point? It's not, this is our aiming point in life. Let, let's, let's kind of tie in together though, this idea of character and commands. We talked about it briefly, but John says in, his, in John, John 15, he says, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So again, kind of similar language to what it was used in 1 John chapter 2. But what he's saying is, you can't look like something other than Jesus if you're connected to him. You're supposed to look like. So a, a, if a vine was growing oranges, we'd be like, that's weird. Or if a vine was growing bananas, we'd be like, that's not normal. It grows grapes because that's what it's connected to. And so in those things, we have to be connected to Christ to take on his character. But he says this, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. And then he ties it here. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love. Just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. And so he ties this piece of character into if we, we're, we're, we're looking like Jesus, we should be therefore then living out his commandments of what he has for us. Let's look at some of the commands. There's plenty. There's a lot of them. Another challenge, go read through the Gospels and see what Jesus commands. Let's look at a couple of them. Number one, make disciples. Make disciples. He's not like, hey, you want to know the next best church growth strategy? Bestseller right here. No, he says make disciples. He's not saying make disciples by osmosis, like, well, if I'm close enough to people, it's just going to happen. No, we have to invest in people's lives with the goal of discipleship. He says here, here's one, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. Deny yourself. That one's tough in our culture, right? Usually the first thing we think about is, how's this going to fit me? What if I don't like this? What if this really isn't my style? What if this is, what if this is outside my comfort zone? I don't know if that's really my thing. He says, no, deny yourself. It really means forget that you exist. What that doesn't mean is, yes, God has given us gifts, talents, abilities. He's given us a, a name. We're made in the image of God. But what he says to the things of following Jesus, he says, you've got to let go of these things that get in the way. Pick up your cross and follow me. How about here in Matthew 5.16? Let your light shine. It's a great one. Love your enemies. I got a suggestion. Let's turn this world around. Uh, do you guys feel like it? Just love your enemies. No. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. Another one, pray for laborers to be sent. He's telling them, pray for laborers to be sent because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray. 
These are just some of the commands. Again, we could spend a long time up here with all the commands that Jesus had. But I think there's something deeper that we need to consider. What if Jesus meant what he said? Do we actually believe this morning that Jesus meant what he said? When he asked us, when he told us, these are the commands that I have for you. Do you think he actually meant what he said? Or were they just like, quick self-help guides? Was he crazy? Or were those things only for the spiritual elite to do? Or were they for every believer to take on in their life? Let's go to priorities here. I first want to bring in the Luke 4 passage because I believe this reveals Jesus' priorities here on earth as he comes in from the desert being tempted and he opens up the scroll and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. That was a priority of Jesus. Another priority of Jesus was to set, he has sent me to proclaim that the captives will be released, that the blind will see and the oppressed will be set free. Jesus right there was not only revealing his prophecy becoming fulfilled, but this is one of the great ways where he's revealing these are the priorities I'm going to have as a part of my ministry. Let's look at some other priorities he had. Seek and save the lost. Again, yes, we can't save anybody, but we point others to Jesus is the main thing. Here's a, I love it. This was a priority of Jesus. He ate with tax collectors and sinners. He ate with people, number one, who were not like him, and he ate with people who society would say, these people are the least of these. And Jesus was willing to take them on. And I don't know how many times in life that I oftentimes will get myself out of a situation because maybe I feel uncomfortable around the person that maybe I'm around. But I've been trying to flip that and say, no, this is what Jesus was all about. He was all about those things, the least of these. Jesus spent time alone with the Father. Mark 1.35 has this whole day of ministry, gets up early the next morning, goes out to pray. John 17, he says, I've come to complete the Father's work. John, Jesus spent time alone with the Father. Is that, is that a priority we can take on? Jesus served others as a priority, poured into others. Mark, the Mark chapter 3 verse, Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and then he might send them out to preach and cast out demons. Jesus lived on mission. He had a purpose. There's some passages in the Bible where it talked about how Jesus turned and he was resolute. He was determined to go to a location because that was the mission the Father had given him. But do you have a mission and purpose for your Christian walk this morning? He was here to complete the Father's will. I came across a story that I found to be pretty profound. The story comes out of Spokane, Washington. And there's a, a ministry called Union Gospel Mission that helps people uh, in homelessness. And they help, one of the big ministries they do is they help teens. And I came across a story of a, of, a, of a used car salesman, but then I started connecting dots. This ministry has a, a thing that you can donate your car, and then they resell the cars at a normal car price uh, for, to make money for the ministry. And so this man sold cars for years. He was a car salesman. But every day, 
Monday through Friday, when he got off of work, he'd go to the place where the Union Gospel Mission was, and he would spend time with teenage boys. And he would pour into their life and spend time pouring into their life. There was a time, this man, his name was Milton Rood, and he went in for an exploratory surgery, and they found that he had cancer all over his body. They basically just sewed him up, sent him home, and within a week or two, he had passed away. They have a service for him, and the place is just overflowing with people. The whole thing's done, and the pastor, kind of tongue-in-cheek, says, how come no one's asked how many cars he sold in his lifetime? He said, not a single person talked about that. What they did talk about, and story after story, was the changed lives of those boys because his number one priority in life wasn't selling cars. His priority in life was pouring into the lives of young teens like he believed Jesus would have poured into their lives. And so when we ask this question, WWJD, what would Jesus do? It's not off to the out there, what would Jesus do? It's meant to be for us. Jesus... If you were walking this earth, what is it that you'd want my life to look like? Jesus, how are you asking me to take on your character? Jesus, how are you asking me to live out your commands? Jesus, how do you want your priorities to be my priorities in life? It's not what would Jesus do and then we just kind of wait and nothing happens. It's what would Jesus do? And Lord, how am I supposed to now live that out? How am I supposed to live out the person of Jesus Christ through his character by following his commands and making his priorities our priorities? So my question then, as I thought about this is, if we should be asking that question, I thought, what if we ask this question more often? That every day I'm like, Jesus, would you show me how you are calling me to live out this time. Make it personal to you. It's not what would Jesus do and then we leave it off to the, to the air. But what if we made it personal? What is it that I, Lord, should be doing as we look at your character, your commands, and your priorities? I remember there was a, a small period of life where I tried to do this a little bit better. And uh, I honestly asked myself that question. If I lived in, if I lived in where I'm living now, what, what would be the things that would be important to Jesus? And I remember uh, clearly, as I kind of wrestled with that, I, there was, uh, in the wintertime, I don't know, maybe this was like six years, seven years ago, uh, there was a snowmobile accident, and there was a 16-year-old boy in Holland Patton that passed away. And the funeral was here downtown, uh, and they're, they're, they had calling hours. And I thought to myself, okay, I think Jesus would show up to something like that. I think he would. I wasn't going there to try to raise anybody from the dead. I was just going to walk through the family. It was an amazing thing how it all worked out. But I felt asking the question, if you, Jesus, were here, what is it that would be, how would you respond? Now, again, I don't go around to all of those, but again, at a moment in time, I really felt like this was something he'd show up to. Jesus, I was going on behalf of Jesus that day. Not as myself, not as what would Jesus do, and then just throwing a bracelet on the steps. And this story is not about me. This story is more about how Arlene was right behind me, and God just had the whole thing planned out. Walk through and give condolences to the parents, and you know, 
But I've been also wrestling with this. The first part of this. I believe oftentimes we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by their actions. I think a lot of times we have great intentions with these things, but we never do them most of the time. And I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. There's oftentimes I have great intentions, and I think therefore because I'm Christian, and I know this idea about being a servant, I know all these other ideas that they just kind of happen, but they don't. We need to start looking at ourselves more so. Are we actually doing the things that Jesus is calling us to do? Because Jesus says this in John 17. He says, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Jesus is not asking you to go into the world to begin your own kingdom. That's how cults start. He's asking you to go on behalf of him in the power of the Holy Spirit to be his hands and feet, to take on his character, to live out his commands, and to take on his priorities. Why? So that his kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, to be a living representation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to people who are in need of him. And it's a tangible outcome to those things. And so where do you need to walk in the character, commands, or priorities of Jesus in your life right now? Where do you need to walk in these things? But I believe the way we look at this question is often how we respond to it. I have a situation here that's already happening, and then I think about, well, I need to respond this way to it. I need to respond in his character. I need to respond with his commands. Or I need to respond in his priorities. Which is good. We need that. But the other question we need to be asking ourselves is, how does this need to be your lifestyle? This is a proactive thing in your life that you are setting your mind on to be resolute, to say, Jesus, what is it that you'd have me do to be like you in the world around us? What is it that you'd have me do? What is it that you're calling me to do? And sometimes that's an ongoing question because something might pop up and you're like, that's it. Or maybe he brings something into your mind. But the call of believer was never meant to sit. It was to serve, to give our life up for the sake of others. Not to save them, but to show them Jesus, who is the Savior of all is the gospel the good news of christ that he redeems all things and he calls us to be a part of it this is god's plan for the world and he includes us to complete it by taking character living out his commands and taking out his priorities we're going to end a little bit different this morning this isn't really my thing to call altar calls or anything like that but what i am going to ask is this worship team can come up if you feel led to respond in any way, feel God's putting something on your heart right now, I have a lot more of these bracelets. Now listen, I don't really care if you wear it. I don't care if you throw it in the garbage on the way out. Because it's not about that. But it's about, when, when Jesus calls us to what would Jesus do, it's a physical action that has to be required with it. So you're just submitting to him and saying, I, I, I'm submitting to, to you, Jesus, to say, here I am. Now, if you want to wear it, it's great. If you want to throw in the trash, if you want to leave in the parking lot, I don't, it doesn't matter. It's more so the submission to saying, Lord, you've said something to me during this time that you're calling me to do, 
and I need to do it. Now, it could be any of these, but I also will break them up a little more. If you feel it's a character issue for you, then come grab one from the character side. If you believe it's a command he's asking you to follow, then come grab one from the command side. If it's a priority issue in your life, come grab one from the priority issue in your life that you might have with Jesus. If he's not saying anything to you or you don't, don't really have anything, don't come get one. But if God has said something to you through this time that you need to take on, just use this as a reminder that, Lord, you've said this to me, now I must go do something with it. What would Jesus do? It's a personal thing that he's called us to live out in our days to show people the amazing picture of the gospel. The good news, and if we ask this question more often, I believe things would be a lot different in the world around us. But you know what? I question I ask myself more often, what would Bryce do? Well, laying on the couch, watching Netflix, like it's all about me. When we flip it, Jesus, what should I do? Because I need to be like you. Thanks for taking the time to listen. We pray you were equipped and inspired to reach out to others with the good news of Jesus Christ. To stay connected, like us on Facebook or join us on a Sunday morning here at Rome Alliance Church.